The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Thursday, March 23rd in Hong Kong, Wednesday, March 22nd in New York. And coming up today... The Fed signals it's not done raising interest rates despite the recent turmoil in the banking industry. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. is not considering providing blanket deposit insurance to stabilize the banking system. Tencent resumed slim growth given a jump in online ad revenue. U.S. budget calls for 18% increase in funds for Indochina defense against China. China verbally attacks AUKUS nuclear-powered sub-deal while furthering a deal with Russia to develop neutron reactors. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. The Fed raising interest rates by 25 basis points for a second straight time to a range of four and three quarters to five percent. The hike was in line with most economists and traders' expectations. And the action is a sign that the Fed appears confident the U.S. economy is healthy enough to withstand the collapse of three regional banks. Fed Chair Jay Powell saying that officials are prepared to raise rates higher if needed. I think for now, though, we, we, we see the likelihood of, of credit tightening. We know that that can have a, you know, an effect on the macroeconomy, on demand, on labor market, on inflation. And we're going to be watching to see what that is. Powell said it's too soon to tell what the economic impact of the recent banking turmoil is. But he emphasized that the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient, and the Fed is prepared to use all of its tools to maintain stability. Separately, Fed policymakers projected that interest rates would end at about 5.1% in 2023. That's unchanged from their median estimate about the last round of forecasts uh, back in December. The dot plot, along with today's rate hike, signals the Fed is not done in raising borrowing costs. So here comes the critique now from Bloomberg opinion columnist and former New York Fed President Bill Dudley. He thinks the American economy is in a worse place than it was two weeks ago. Here's Dudley speaking earlier with Bloomberg. Uncertainty has gone up 
certainty is gone up a lot. And I think it's sort of interesting that markets are, are not really uh, fully focused on that because the risk of a hard landing is, is, is higher now because the Fed isn't going to really know what's the appropriate policy to do until they get a lot more information. And it's going to take time for that information to be received. And it's not going to be very easy to assess how are these banking woes going to affect credit conditions and how much is that going to affect economic growth? Well, if you look at the swaps market right now, it's an indication that there is a slightly greater than 50% probability that the Fed will add another 25 basis points to a tightening in May. So one more rate hike, perhaps. Expectations for cut though have deepened the market is now suggesting that the effective fed funds rate will decline by december to around 4.18 percent now today when asked about that fed chair jay powell said cuts aren't something he's expecting this year and you know it's interesting doug that we had the treasury secretary janet yellen speaking at the same time that powell was conducting his his news briefing and yellen said that regulators are not looking to provide blanket deposit insurance to stabilize the banking system it was in response to a question from lawmakers about whether protections would be provided to all us deposits here's yellen speaking before a senate subcommittee it's important to be clear shareholders and debt holders of the failed banks are not being protected by the government, and no losses from the resolution of these banks are being borne by the taxpayer. Deposit protection is provided by the Deposit Insurance Fund, which is funded by fees on insured banks. Yellen said that the heads of the recently failed American lenders should be held accountable for their actions. Earlier, she said that the United States is prepared to take further actions to protect depositors if smaller lenders are threatened. Her staff is now studying ways to temporarily raise the federal insurance cap above $250,000 without congressional approval in the event that the banking crisis grows. Well, speaking of regional lenders, PacWest Bancorp is shoring up its liquidity. Now, this is in reaction to customers customers pulling 20% of their deposits from the bank since the beginning of the year. PacWest is now obtained about $1.4 billion from a financial facility from the investment firm Atlas SP Partners. We got reaction earlier from Bruce Richards. He is the CEO of Marathon Asset Management. PacWest can go to the Fed and go to Federal Home Loan Bank and borrow money. They undoubtedly have, given the huge deposit outflow. But for assets that the Fed and Federal Home Loan Bank won't take, that's where Atlas has filled that void. They need more and more capital. And what they really should be doing is raising equity capital. And I don't believe they're able to raise the equity capital. They need to be recapitalized. PacWest, by the way, has been one of those banks reeling since the collapse of those three regional lenders that we've been talking about that began earlier in this month. Yes, it's been the sudden surge in customer withdrawals that have led the bank into this position. By the way, PacWest shares so far this month, Brian, are down 58%. Well, there was some other business going on as well. Ten cents U.S. shares rallying after the company said that revenue edged higher following two quarters of contraction. Let's get that story from Bloomberg's Eric Lamb. Ten cents revenue only gained one percent, but online advertising sales did jump fifteen percent in the December quarter. That's as the company's TikTok-style video feature drew in marketers. Revenue came in at twenty-one billion dollars, helped in part by a one-time gain from the selling of Meituan shares. The gains were offset, though, by a weaker showing in fintech, domestic games, and the company's cloud business. Still, Tencent's top executives are upbeat, playing up prospects for international gaming and AI this year. Tencent's US ADR has gained almost 2%. 
In Hong Kong, I'm Eric Lam, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Christner. Doug, as you mentioned there, there's still some uncertainty. Powell emphasizing that the banking system was sound and resilient, yet at the same time, the Fed is doing a, a thorough investigation of what happened at Silicon Valley Bank. And he didn't want to say too much about that because they don't know or they don't want to guess exactly what that investigation will reveal. It's worth asking the question, does that suggest modest conflict? You're acting as though one thing is true while admitting you don't know for sure. Perhaps it may be a little too early to make that call, though. But the other thing I think to consider when we're talking about a considerable amount of uncertainty lingering, the question of how much the disruptions that we have seen within the banking system so far will tighten lending conditions and slow the economy. And by extension, Brian, really maybe bring the rate of inflation down. So even though the Fed is kind of sticking to its guns at this point and projecting another rate increase, maybe as soon as May, I think that there are things happening under the hood that really may be leading the market to doubt that position and to consider uh, the likelihood, the higher probability of rate cuts before the end of the year. Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, for sure, uh, in that if you have tightening credit conditions, as he said, for both business and households, that uh, that is tightening over and above the 25 basis points they did today. So mm -hmm. what did we really get today? Was it a 50? I think <laughs> it's just a, a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a funny way of looking at things. Uh, and then you also had the comments from Yellen, which sort of, uh, you know, offset a little bit at the time that uh, those comments fed through. The market was in a relatively stable place and then started heading lower. And we didn't get any resolution on the First Republic story today. Mm, and true. Fitch today moving uh, the credit rating on First Republic down a notch to single B from double B. The stock was off 15 percent. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a very, very uncertain period. All right, it's time now for Global News. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says the State Department needs its full request filled to fight threats from China and Russia. Let's get to the bottom of that and get to Ed Baxter in the San Francisco 960 newsroom. Ed? Yeah, Brian talking budget. Blinken in front of the Senate Appropriations Committee says the 11% increase overall is needed to tackle the immediate acute threat posed by Russia's autocracy and China long term. It will strengthen our efforts to outcompete the PRC. Uh, President Biden is firmly committed to advancing a free and open Indo-Pacific, which is why this proposal asks for an 18% increase in our budget for that region over FY23. Now, Blinken says the globe's democracies have galvanized around the threat China poses to global freedom, and in particular, the threat to supply lethal weapons to Russia. My hope is that uh, China, having heard not just from us, but from many countries, including countries uh, with which it's trying to curry more favorable relations, that um, it uh, heard them and heard us and will not cross that line. Immediate response from Senator Lindsey Graham to the budget increase is, well, it's a tough sell, directly saying, I don't think the market will bear that. Graham suggested separate direct funding for efforts to restrain China. China's lambasted the AUKUS effort to supply nuclear-powered subs to Australia. Beijing's ambassador, the IAEA, says it will undercut efforts to stop the spread of weapons and nuclear fuel globally. Meanwhile, 
During the Xi Putin summit, both countries say they are deepening their cooperation on their commitment to develop the so-called fast neutron reactors. The U.S. says that could upset the global balance of nuclear weapons, and the U.S. and South Korea are planning their largest ever live fire drill for June. During this global banking crisis, finding solutions are more and more finding banking intertwined with geopolitics and ultimately just plain old politics. Bloomberg's editor-in-chief John Micklethwaite says a different pattern towards solutions. The last time that there was a big crisis when banks stepped in to, to take over things and move things around, it was against the background of firstly people saying this is just a temporary measure mm. and secondly against the background where China, the EU and the U.S. were all working together. Now you've got regional trade blocks. Yeah, John says the essence is demonstrated in U.S. leadership now. I think a big reason why Silicon Valley Bank was taken over was because it was seen as the main supporter to a strategically vital industry. Yeah, John says really opens the door to capitalism's new era. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, watching the polls grow in strength for Donald Trump, as it has especially among Republicans, has chosen now to start to fight back. And he selected... Well, he selected the Piers Morgan show. Ron the Sanctimonious or Meatball Ron? <laughs> well, I can't... Uh, even he went off Meatball Ron. I, I can't... Uh, I don't know how to spell the Sanctimonious. I don't really know what it means, but I, you know, I kind of like it's long. It's got a lot of vowels. I mean, so we go with that. That's fine. You know, you can call me, you can call me whatever you want. I mean, just as long as you, you know, also call me a winner. Uh-huh. Uh, Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is... Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong. And our guest for the next 15, 20 minutes is Sarah Ponzek, private bank wealth management financial advisor at UBS. Sarah, on, on one level, it's pretty simple. Inflation is too high and the Fed raised interest rates for the ninth consecutive meeting. But under the hood... Well, it's complicated. How do you read those complications? You're absolutely right. You mentioned the word uncertainty earlier in the show. And even though the Federal Reserve did exactly what it was expected to do today, all that really came out of the meeting is that we have more uncertainty, if we can even believe that, over the past couple of weeks and the past year. You know, the markets had opened the door for the Federal Reserve to move forward to the 25 basis point rate hike. So the Fed walked through. They took that from the market and they went ahead and they raised the target range to 4.75 to 5%. And at the same time, if you look at the dot plot of rate forecasts for where rates are going to end the end of 2023 for the Fed funds rate, 
the median estimate remained the same at just a little bit above 5%. But what really became a bit different is that one, Powell noted that everything going on in the banking sector can lead to more scrutinous lending standards, and that could henceforth lead to tighter financial conditions. But then he said, you know, we also don't yet know the extent of this. Uh, And then he also added to that that we could see the possibility of some additional tightening if need be. So you have two forces, you know, fighting with each other here. One, inflation, which is still very elevated. Uh, And then two, everything going on in the banking industry, which, you know, many do believe, uh, as well as us over at UBS, that it could lead to, you know, tighter tighter lending standards. It could eventually lead to a recession down the road. And we got another reminder about how sticky inflation can be with the U.K. CPI coming in with a gain of 10.4 percent. I mean, that was kind of a, a, of a shocker. Uh, to the extent, though, that the banks themselves are tightening credit conditions, and, and how much will that help the Fed do its job? Uh, it's almost like the, the new loan officer surveys will become the new CPI. Right. And, and if you actually look at the Fed's latest senior loan officer opinion survey, we saw that a net 43.7% of banks are tightening standards for small firms and 44.8% for large firms. So we're, we've already seen a tightening in lending standards. And after the events of the last few weeks, the very large expectation is that we are going to see those numbers move even higher. And that's why there, there was so much consternation and, and, and conjecturing that the Fed might pause this week because the expectation was, okay, we're seeing everything going on in the banking industry. The Fed might be able to pause because, okay, well, maybe we are going to see everything going on in the banking industry lead to a recession and therefore lead to, you know, lower prices, lower inflation. But at this point in time, that's not yet the case. You know, at this point in time, what's really remarkable to me is if you actually look at where the S&P 500 closed yesterday before today or before, you know, the trading action during the Federal Reserve meeting, we actually saw the S&P 500 close where it was before everything occurred in the banking industry, which just shows the resilience of the markets. Yeah, it does. But I, th- I think, you know, the sign there in the last um, hour of trading uh, gave us an indication that uh, equities could well head lower here. Do you think this brings back into uh, focus the October lows? So I- I'm not going to put, you know, a price target on where this is going to bring us to. But I, I do believe and you know, our chief investment office believes that we can't just go back to the point in time when the majority of people were expecting a soft landing. The implications and the expectations for a hard landing have absolutely risen in the last couple of weeks. And did, we do didn't believe it, didn't that it, investors d- in the equity didn't it market say a lot. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but when he was asked that question late in the, uh, in the news conference, uh, the pause that he gave and the sort of raised eyebrow, I think, told the whole story. Uh, he doesn't think a soft landing is as much in the picture as it was before. No, I, I don't... Any reasonable person, I don't think, can believe, you know, that a soft landing is as probable as it was just a few weeks ago. You know, I know we all hear it all the time that, you know, the tightening of monetary policy acts with long and variable lags, but we started to see the beginnings of it. And when you see something break in the banking industry that will likely lead to a tightening of lending standards, I mean, that just means when you think about how how the economy in the U.S., but also the, the global economy operates, companies, corporations, they need cash and lending, you know, in order 
to increase their profits and, and, and you know, continue their operations and, and build upon, say, what they've already built. And if banks start to pull yeah. back on that, that, that becomes a concern. Yeah, given what you used to do, uh, I wouldn't ask you this this question uh, in normal times, but obviously <laughs> you got a new hat that you're wearing right now. But was was this a policy mistake? Will this prove to be a policy mistake by the Fed? You know, I don't – we always ask this question, and I don't know if anyone can accurately give you a, a clear-cut yes or no answer because let's, let, let's be real here. The Federal Reserve has a very – difficult job. And many will say that, okay, if the Fed had raised interest rates long before when they started, maybe we wouldn't be faced with inflation where it is today. But Mm. at that same time, you know, I I think what now really lends itself to is we're all now realizing what the last decade of extremely, extremely easy monetary policy gave way to. And that was excessive lending and excessive borrowing. You know, essentially, corporations, consumers, people could borrow money for free. And we're now seeing the repercussions of that as we try to unwind that when when we're still dealing with, you know, inflation well above levels that anyone should be comfortable with. So you're at the private bank uh, dealing with wealthy individuals. Um, what's the question or the comment that you get most from clients? So, you know, what was so interesting about last year was, at least for our clients, was what happened in the bond market. You know, our clients have been well-trained to understand that, you know, stocks are volatile. They can drop in value. You know, that that's expected. But what we saw in the bond market last year was so different from what at least the majority of clients have been used to. You know, those around in the 70s saw what happened in the 70s. But we saw a historic move in the bond market. And now the question really becomes, is okay, is the worst behind us? in the bond market. And we do believe that at this point, we've either seen peak rates or that peak rates are approaching so that it is beneficial for investors to be locking in higher yields in the bond market. But at the same time, you know, looking to high quality assets in the fixed income market, Uh, you know, whether that be on the government side or on the corporate side, looking at investment grade. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. 
More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.